Welcome back to Keyhole Conversations, everybody. I am your host, Marcus, and today I have a very special guest calling in from the great state of Wyoming all the way up in Laramie or Cheyenne. I can't remember, Lauren. Which is it? It's Laramie, yeah. Laramie. (laughs) Um, How are things up in Laramie? You've lived up there now for quite a while, and you went from Salt Lake City, Utah, up to Wyoming? Yeah, yeah, I did. I've been here for about eight years now. Really loving it. Um, Tell me real quick, um, what was the, what made you make the decision to get out of Utah and move to Wyoming of all places, the most least densely populated state in America? (laughs) Yeah, so um, I, it sounds a little crazy. When I was pregnant with my son, I had awful morning sickness, so I spent most of my time just doom scrolling, and I came across some articles about the air quality in Salt Lake and how it was, I mean, we know it's not great, but specifically how it was really bad on pregnant people and infants. So I kind of (laughs) panicked. I had already taken my maternity leave, and my stepdad and mom had moved out to Laramie when I was like 15. And so I just kind of was like, well, that's gross. I don't want to be here anymore. And I packed my stuff up and moved out here in a weekend. I did not plan on being here that long, but I ended up just falling in love with the community here. And, you know, it's a small town, but it doesn't feel too small. And we've got a lot of great hiking spots, some, you know, outside boulder climbing and lots of fun stuff to do. So I just kind of fell in love with it and stayed. I don't blame you one bit there at some time in my future, if I can get past the, um, cause I always give people who take that willingness to get out and move and get away from the big cities or their hometowns. I give props to you guys because me myself, like I see people, not a lot of people do it, but I see people do it. It takes a lot of courage and especially to live, uh, go from Salt Lake, Utah, where it's like, it's not like densely populated like California or New York, but you're going from a populated area that's got everything around here to a smaller community. That takes a lot of courage. And I don't people, I don't think people understand if they're not from Utah, how bad the air quality can actually be here. Yeah. Yeah. I have, when I tell people here that that's the main reason why I moved at the time that I did, they're always shocked to hear about the air quality. But I think growing up, like, I don't know about you, but I remember having like red air days where we didn't go outside for recess and having asthma. I would wear a mask outside a lot as a kid. And I think people just don't realize that. Oh, I know when, um, when COVID hit here and everyone was switching over to wearing masks and stuff to, you know, help protect against spreading of viral agents. Um, a lot of people were like, I don't even know where to buy these masks. And I already had N95 masks cause I would wear them because I live in Magna and in Magna, Utah, it's actually the lowest elevation out of all the cities in Salt Lake County. So it, it also ranks as of like, the highest pollution city because we just get all of that 
inversion and fog and and people think oh it's just fog it's like no it's exhaust no, fumes it's, it's chemicals yucky. it's yeah. yucky fog you don't want it yeah there are days you can literally i i feel like you can slice the air and like serve it up on yeah. plates it's like here yeah oh it's so gross and just i mean i was just in um the salt lake area and it's funny because when i come back home to laramie I'm at 70, a little over 7,200 feet here, but I feel like I can breathe better when I come home. Like I had two asthma attacks while I was in Salt Lake and I got back home this afternoon to Laramie and was like, oh, oh, I can breathe again. I know. One of the, one of the times that I realized that in the future I need to get out of uh, Salt Lake County was I took a trip up through Wyoming and ended up in uh, Gillette. And I kind of made that my home base and explored um, the Devil's Tower, Mount Rushmore, all those areas. And then I remember coming back and dropping down through Parley's Canyon. And it was like just a blanket. And all of a sudden you mm-hmm. went from blue skies to gray, gross, yuck. And just yeah. the taste of the air was disgusting. Yeah. And I applaud you because also you're thinking about your health but the health of your children because here in Salt Lake County I believe we have higher rates of like autism and uh, things like that that they've began doing these studies and linking them to possible um, air quality issues because it's just it gets so bad at times and I've always thought about that like if I ever become a father in the future I'm like I don't think I want there's two primary reasons I don't want to raise children in Salt Lake County one of them would be the air pollution and the other would be the lack of diversity which is slowly changing but it's very slowly changing yeah well it's funny you mentioned that because that's something I think about a lot that you know I grew up very religious and my family we were specifically not allowed to play with kids who were not our same religion And now having kids, I've chosen to not have my kids raised in a certain religion. They can choose whatever they want when they're old enough to choose it. But I don't want them to be on the other side of, you know, kind of the way that my family acted. And I know not, you know, there's a lot of good people everywhere that you live. But I think sometimes when you have a lack of diversity, when you do get people from other backgrounds, other religions, other cultures, other races it's hard for them to feel included because the kind of, well, I don't want to say click, but sometimes it's a little clicky, you know, it's already established and it's, it it makes it difficult. So it, it was, but it's funny because, you know, you don't think about those things. It was something that I didn't think about for myself when I lived in Utah. It was something that was on the forefront of my mind when I started having kids though, you know, that like, oh, I do want, their lives to be a little bit better than mine was, you know? Yeah, no, I, um, growing up through, cause my parents, they were, I would call them like Jack Mormon or whatever, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, they were both baptized, but they weren't practicing, uh, LDS members or anything like that. And then I was baptized at eight, decided really quickly that at a young age that this isn't for me, I don't feel comfortable in any of this. And, I remember I suffered a lot of like bullying and isolation, Mm -hmm. even not only in school, but I remember being in the Boy Scouts and the Boy Scouts was very controlled by like 
the LDS religion. They were like kind of the, yeah, the, um, proctors of that here. And in those, the members of the Boy Scouts, like who I thought would be my friends, then they learn you're not Mormon. Well, why? And it's like, because mm-hmm. I chose not to be. I want to come here and learn how to tie knots and go on adventures. Yeah, I don't want to do cool stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, and Utah is slowly becoming more diverse, but it's, I think it's going to be one of the last holdouts of just like mm-hmm. Mormon control in the government. And, yeah. and I get it. It's because there's a high population of LDS people here, but. I remember I was on a, doing another podcast a while ago and we were kind of talking about it and I didn't realize how isolated I had been from the world because I didn't really, I traveled out of Utah a couple of times. I went to Colorado, Evanston and like Idaho, but I hadn't ever experienced the East coast. And I remember, um, for my honeymoon back when I was married, we chose to go to Louisville, Kentucky and I got off the plane and I was like, I have never seen this many black people in my life Mm -hmm. because in Utah, you'll see like a black person maybe every other week. And back there, Mm -hmm. it's just, that's the culture. I mean, it's, it's white and black, but, and I almost, we kind of went into some more like black communities and things during our adventures out there. And now all of a sudden I get to feel like what it's like to be the, the minority. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to have a culture shock when you're still in your own country, that that it it's so vastly different from where we grew up. That you you go to, and I mean I mean you know the East Coast is far away from Utah, but it's not that far. But it's interesting because even just coming to Wyoming, I had some culture shock too. You know the things are open on Sundays. We have drive-through liquor stores, you know, things like that, that I was like, that can't, that can't be legal. Like, what are we, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> you know, just little things like that, that you don't, you know, when we stay where we've grown up, you don't realize that things are done any other way. So it, it, it does tend to be a shock. Yeah. I had a culture shock not too long ago in still in Utah. This was really weird. I went down to Southern Utah and, uh, the Utah, Arizona border, there's, um, Monument Valley down there. I don't know if you're familiar with that area Mm -hmm. and that's all native American land. Yeah. And you enter that area and all of a sudden you feel like you've almost entered a whole nother sovereign nation, which you kind of have because the reservations are their own. And that was another like, wow, I'm, I went down there during off season. So it was mostly native Americans around. And then this one white guy driving around in his little CRV, taking photos of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I went to California not too long ago and had another culture shock where you talk about, um, stores and things being open on Sundays. And then, um, me and my ex-girlfriend, we went down there and we, uh, we were just, we were in the Pasadena area and not that we, cause we both work jobs where we cannot use recreational drugs like marijuana, things like that, because we get right. drug tested. So that's like off the, off the um, table for me. I can't touch any of that stuff, but I was like, I want to go see what these legal weed shops look like. 
<laughs> and we went in one and I felt so yeah. criminal. I was like looking for the cops over <laughs> my shoulder, like we're going to get busted. <laughs> and we didn't buy anything. We just wanted to see, but it was, it was That's major so culture shock. I love it. <laughs> and it's, and that is so true too. Like, you know, another thing, like, you know, I experimented with that stuff in high school, you know, I think like a lot of us did, but yeah. then when you do go, cause I went to California recently too. I took my kids to Disneyland and I thought, well, I'll just stop and see, you know, kind of the same thing of like, you know, I, I hear comedians that are like, Oh, it's like an Apple store basically. And it was, it is. <laughs> and it, it was just so normal. Yeah. And then you get us that are not used to that. And we're just like, yes. what the hell? <laughs> and then you got people cause I've had friends come stay with me from out of state and I, I myself don't drink anymore because I had a huge alcohol problem and I've been sober for like two and a half years now, but I don't mind if people drink around me. It doesn't bother me because mm -hmm. just because I can't handle myself doesn't mean they should, you know, be punished. Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, now make sure if, if you want to have anything to drink later in the evening, we need to get to the liquor store because they close at a certain time. They're like, yeah. what are these liquor stores <laughs> you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Well, also congratulations on your sobriety that is awesome thank you um but it's so funny because here too it's like we don't have that like the liquor stores don't really close or if they do you can go to walmart <laughs> go oh. to the grocery store or also we have this thing you can get an adult slushie they literally have a wall of slushies you pick your flavors and then they put the liquor in it for you with a straw but to get around the open container laws they put a sticker on the top. Oh my so God. So you can't peel the sticker off till you get home. <laughs> but you can go in and it's like a 7-Eleven dispensary. It just is. Like... It is literally like a 7-Eleven and they just have a sign out. I'll have to take a picture and send it to you. They have a sign out uh, um, on the grocery store, like a big banner that just says adult slushies here. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's I, I have not seen knows. these. <laughs> that's so I'll, cool. I'll have to take a picture and show it to you. So... Um, leaving, uh, Utah and choosing to move up to Laramie, Wyoming, um, were you, cause you're currently a professional massage therapist. That's the career path you've chosen to go. W were you practicing massage therapy here in Salt Lake County? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was, um, I worked at Massage Envy downtown Salt Lake, uh, before I moved up here. And then when I, when I got to Laramie, I worked for about a year at a chiropractic clinic and a, a bridal store here in town as well. And then I decided I had had enough of working for other people and I opened my own massage practice. So I just celebrated six years of business and I have hired two other people that work with me now as well. That is awesome and amazing. One being a female business owner. I applaud you for that Two, being a business owner in general, because that's such a scary uh, endeavor. I would imagine saying I'm not working for anyone else, but it's also got to be very liberating. It is. Yeah. Thank you. It's um, obviously, I mean, I think any career that you choose has its difficulties. Um, and I'm honestly very lucky because I work in a community where I just have the best clients and honestly it, it, it is difficult, but it's made it, it's made it easier to be in a community that 
I already have a love for and feel like I'm a part of. Now, does what, that make sense? It, it does. And because Laramie is, what is the population of Laramie? Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I am, I am not good at that. I, I want to say a hundred thousand. Let me see. I'm on, I'm on top that of this. I'm, I'm going to give it a, guess. I'm, I'm going to give this a little bit of a goog. We'll figure out. Do a there. little, yeah, let's do a little Google fact check on me. Cause I could be totally wrong. Laramie, Wyoming. It differs because in the summertime, since we have the university, all of the college students leave. Let's see. The population was 31,000. You're a okay, little off. way off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. So that No more math questions, my friend. <laughs> You're totally good. Basic counting is off the table. But that is, that's insane, 31,000 people, because I think about like just West Jordan City is, I think it's up. I got to look that up now. Let's see what West Jordan City is here in Utah. And city. So West Jordan has, let's look at the Wikipedia, 116,000 people just in West Jordan City. So they're triple you guys. You know, that makes sense because when I was just back home for a little bit, I was like, this is big. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> Does it give you like anxiety when you come back into a bigger Absolutely. area? Absolutely. I get, especially driving because anywhere that I need to go where I live, I am no more than 15 minutes away from anything at any given time. I live three minutes away from my work and the speed limit everywhere is 30. There's really never traffic. <laughs> like I'm, it's. It's best case scenario for me because I don't love driving. I don't love the freeways back in Utah. And also I, this isn't nice. And dear listener, I'm definitely not talking about you, (laughs) but nobody in Utah uses their blinkers. And so I, my dad and I have a joke that y'all don't use blinkers because you have Jesus and he (laughs) takes the wheel. (laughs) And that is the thing that just gives me the worst anxiety because Wyoming drivers are so polite there's never traffic oh no yeah it's hard to go back i remember traveling across wyoming i've i've traveled the whole state of you wyoming twice once to get back to the east coast when i went to west virginia and then once to go up to south dakota and i swear the time i traveled i love it because it's it's open roads big skies Mm -hmm. and i honestly never see any law enforcement i'm like are there any cops here that pull you over? <laughs> <laughs> there are. I saw like six on the way home because it's towards the end of the month. But in general, unless you're driving directly through a town, it's, you know, 100 miles, 70 to 100 miles between most cities in Wyoming. So it's just 80 mile an hour speed limit, straight shot, gorgeous skies the whole way. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um Getting back to your uh, decision to go into massage therapy, when did you make, like, what did you do right after high school? Um, I went to massage school basically right after high school. I worked a little bit as a, an assistant for a CPA. Um, and then a CPA is a certified f- practicing accountant. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He needed some help for his busy season and So I just did some office work for him and kind of thought about what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to do a four-year college. 
because school was not my favorite. Um, and I had a girlfriend that was doing the massage therapy program at the Utah College of Massage Therapy downtown. And she had just been telling me she loved it so much. It was only eight months. And I thought, like, I'm good at getting back rubs. I'll give it a shot. And I ended up just falling in love with it. That's awesome. I personally, me, I've got to applaud you because not that I hate contact with people, but I don't think <laughs> I could do that all day, especially in like I've only experienced two massages my whole life. And it was a oh, wow by far way different experience than I thought it was going to be because I thought it was just mm -hmm. going to be this basic back rub. But you really or the people I had really worked into me. It was like, oh, God, I I yeah. feel you getting like deep muscle tissue that I didn't even know uh -huh. existed. <laughs> I think that's a common misconception, too, because a lot of us are only exposed to massage and body work in the context of what we see on TV. And most of the time when massage is representative in the or represented in, you know, TV, movies, um, whatever it is, it's in a funny way or it's in a sexual way. And exactly. neither of those things are what we do. I mean, I'm sure my clients would tell you that I am very funny and charming, but that's not my job. And, and it's not, it just doesn't line up with the reality of massage. So when you went to school for this, did you, was it like day one in class? You were like, yes, this is for me or... Oh, no, no, no. I was terrified. I think the first half of the program, I thought, what the fuck did I get myself into? I'm sorry. Can no, I cuss? Oh, you can cuss. You can say whatever you want I'm on so this sorry. podcast. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah, no, I, no censorship here. Don't even worry about it. Um, I think I didn't, I didn't end up really falling in love with what I was doing until I started the more in-depth anatomy courses that we were doing. And I was able to understand more how the body works and how this actually is really beneficial specifically for myself because I have scoliosis and I've had it my whole life and oh, just always kind of had back pain. Yeah. Um, but receiving as much work as I did, cause you know, we're in school, we have to practice on each other. So we were getting massages every day, sometimes twice a day, depending on what classes we had. So once I started being able to, I guess, do body work functionally and start like, I'm not going to say solving problems because massage doesn't solve problems per se, but facilitating relief from chronic symptoms it can be such a big relief for people who are in pain constantly that that was when I realized, okay, this is hopefully going to be more than like a fallback option for me, which was, I think what I kind of intended originally was, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do long-term, so I'll just do something. And, you know, at least if I hate it, then I have something that I can fall back on to make money while I find something else. Yeah. And I, I had a friend um, that went to, uh, I think he went to the same school you went to, and he ended up working for massage therapy in, it's off State Street. It's one of like, I think it was in Murray or one of those. And mm -hmm. he did not do too well with his clientele, though. But I sometimes wonder if his personality kind of clashed a little bit. Oh, yeah, with that, clientele. Can, that can make it difficult. I think sometimes it's more difficult for male massage therapists in our industry as well, because 
there's bad people in every profession. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. my profession is not an exception to that. And there are people who are predators. And I think when you do hear those rare stories, I've never heard of one that's been a female therapist. That's not to say that that hasn't happened, obviously, but I think a lot of times there's like a stigma that's created about it. Unfortunately, yeah, a stigma that, you know, I have heard personally that people have told me, oh, I could never see a male massage therapist or, I just wouldn't be comfortable with a male working on me. And it's it's unfortunate because my, you know, one of my favorite massage therapists in town that I see is a male and he does a wonderful job and he's really professional, but it can be, it can be difficult because it's a, it's a strange mix of you need to be good at your technical job and have anatomical knowledge, but you also have to be kind of, friendly and soft and and have a good customer service as well and it's kind of a combination of the manual labor and being a people person oh yeah no for sure I remember the first massage I ever got um I suffered uh a bunch of uh back pain from a back injury and I remember my doctor was like okay I want you to be doing physical therapy and these other therapies and he's he also was like and you need to go get some massage work done I was like what Mm-hmm. I have to go have someone touch me and rub into me and all this stuff. I, I was super kind of like uncomfortable. And I remember sitting in there and they're like, okay, your massage therapist is going to be Caitlin. And I was like, oh my God, is this girl going to judge my body and all this? But <laughs> yeah. once she came in, she was so professional and just got st- started with working. And she also was like, I think good hair salon people do this as well is they she brought up conversation that eased my mind of Mm -hmm. the anxieties that I did have and I wonder if he didn't have that social skill level but Mm -hmm. because because he would um when he was going through school he practiced on all of us and all of our friends and everyone's like you give great massages but then he was always like I never get return repeat clientele and I sometimes I'm like yeah because you're a little socially awkward my friend Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) did your clientele um when you first started out and then because you you worked in massage therapy down here for a few years um I think two years two years did the demographic and everything, did that kind of change what the clientele is up in Laramie versus here, or is it kind of one and the same? Um, as far as, I think the most common question I get specifically about demographic is how many of my clients are male versus female? I think a lot of people assume it's only females coming to get a massage and everywhere I've worked, Salt Lake and here, it's pretty much 50, 50 male and female. Um, But I will say, in a smaller community, we have a far greater, or no, oops, that's not what I meant to say. We have far fewer instances of clientele being inappropriate, whether that's sexual inappropriateness, whether that's just being flat out rude or unkind um, or derogatory, you know, saying just flat out mean things that tended to happen. I think a lot more in Salt Lake and I'm sure that's just because it's a bigger city. And so you're going to have just more people who behave that way Mm -hmm. versus where I work now, myself and my coworkers hardly ever deal with those things. 
We also get a lot of students, which I think is really nice because then that gives us a lot more diverse um, clientele base as far as, you know, activity level, body type, pressure preferences. Um, We see a little bit of everything here. And I think that is also a little bit unique where Laramie tends to be more diverse because of the university than other places in Wyoming as well. Gotcha. Um, you mentioned something that I kind of wanted to get into and you said that the inappropriate behaviors of clientele, do you have any nightmare stories of people that were so off-putting that you were like, I'm not massaging you anymore. I'm done. Do you want to know my worst? Let's hear it. Do you want it? This is my, this is my party story. It's bad. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I, for a little while, I moved to Vernal, Utah. I was not there for very long. I followed a a boy out there and quickly realized that that is not what I wanted to do. So I went back to Salt Lake. But while I was there, I worked at a spa that I will not name. And we had a number of people at that spa who would be just coming through town. They didn't live there who would be inappropriate or weird. So it was a pretty common occurrence that we'd have to end a session, kick somebody out. Mm -hmm. But the worst session that I had there, (laughs) it was a couple's massage it was a man and a woman. They were married. So we're in this room. And for a couple's massage, it's two massage tables in one room, two therapists, one person each um, client. Pretty standard. Sometimes people are chatty. Sometimes they're not. We tend to let the client lead, especially if they've had a massage before. So if they, if we get the feeling that they're going to be chatty, we'll you know ask questions and engage in conversation. So we've been doing that, myself and the other massage therapist. And... We finished the appointment and we thought, you know, these people are going to give us a great tip. We had been kind of laughing during the session. They seemed like they really liked us. They seemed like they enjoyed their session. At the time, we didn't have a receptionist. And so we were kind of taking turns checking out our clients and cleaning up the room to get ready for the next person. So I went to go check this couple out and my coworker went to go clean up the room. So I'm checking them out. They didn't tip on the card. And I thought, oh, no biggie. You know, it happens. We appreciate tips, but they're never expected. Mm -hmm. As he's leaving, he hands me some cash. And I thought, oh, great. It's a cash tip. Don't have to record it. He turns around and, you know, I don't want to be rude and look at the cash tip. So after he turned around and they're walking out the door, I look at it. He had handed me three $1 bills (laughs) to split between the two of us. And I thought, well, okay, that's a little rude. So I go and I start walking back to the other massage therapist and she comes out of this room and her face is just white, white as a sheet. And she looks at me and she goes, I am not going back in there. I refuse to touch that massage table. So I thought, okay, you know, somebody has ejaculated in the sheets or, you know, somebody had a bloody nose because unfortunately those things happen and it was worse. Oh (laughs) God. That we think it was the gentleman because it was his table he pooped not like a little accident because you got too relaxed it was on top of the blanket the sheet and the blanket had been pulled back up so that it was flat on the table and nice and he had just shit directly on top of the table and my my three issues with that aside from the obvious disgusting part of it was one if you're gonna take a shit on my table 
you better leave at least a $50 tip for each of us. Not three. Yeah, no kidding. To split between the two of us. Two, you have to have done this before. You don't confidently go into a massage room, have a wonderful conversation, take a shit on the table, and then walk out like nothing happened if that's your first time. And three, what was the other person doing? Are they just watching? You must be mortified. Oh my I could God. never. <laughs> I just couldn't wrap my head around it at the time. And I I don't know how, but I lasted another couple months at that job before I finally decided that that is not for me. And so is this something like he he didn't do this while you were actively doing the massage as they were getting no, dressed? No, it was when he was getting dressed. It, oh. it, it was, you know, we had... Cause, we don't stay in the room when people are getting on the table or off the table. Obviously we want to give you your privacy. Exactly. So we finish, we step out and that must've been when it happened. Oh my Lord. So this guy's just (laughs) doing like a screw you, a total insult to you. Yeah. So that, that's gotta be the worst. That's, that is disgusting. I expected something like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that <laughs> Sorry, is nasty. Sorry, I hope I didn't ruin your dinner. I hope you're not going to eat after this. No, 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 you're fine. I I work in um school transportation, so I've cleaned up literally every oh. bodily fluid. And when I say every bodily fluid, I've cleaned oh. up every one of them on a school bus. God, I can't. See, that's you're an angel because I could never. I could never. But I've never had kids purposely shit on a seat and like Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess you don't know if it was on purpose or not. You never really know, right? That's that's true. Um, <laughs> I I would probably have a meltdown and be like, yeah, get your ass back in this bus and clean this up." I feel like you get a whole paid day off after that if that happens. Oh, I'm I'm saying that towards you as well. Um, do you do you often or have you ever been propositioned in your position for sexual contact? You know, I did one time and it was handled so poorly by the place that I worked at because I was, I was extremely uncomfortable, obviously. And I ended the session, walked out, you know, told, because we, we go over the, that scenario time and time again, when, you know, we're doing our training and, Every time that you get a new job as a massage therapist, if you're working for a larger company, they always have some sort of, you know, protocol. You know, if this happens, this is what you do. So, you know, you go tell the front desk, you go back into the back room, you write a report, the front desk staff will tell them that they are no longer allowed to come back. And then you decide whether or not to file a police report. So that is what I did. Those are the steps that I took. And I was essentially told if I wanted to file a police report, I was not allowed to do it on property because I did want to, because that instance went, um, it wasn't just a verbal proposition. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt like it needed to be reported to the police. And I was essentially told that if I reported it to the police on their property, that I would um, essentially be... um, agreeing to taking like a week of unpaid leave while they did an investigation on me as well. And at the time I thought I can't afford that. You know, I had just gotten a new apartment in Salt Lake. 
And, you know, I'd put the deposit down on, you know, moving out on my own and all of those things. And so I thought I can't afford to take that time off unpaid. And so I did not, I didn't follow through with the police report. And then I was told by the front desk staff a couple days later at work that they weren't going to blacklist him because they felt like he didn't actually do anything. They felt like he couldn't have done anything because they were friends with his wife. Oh, Lord. So I ended up asking quite a few female because it was the second time I'd seen him. And the first time he didn't cross a line, but you pick up on a vibe sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I ended up asking my female coworkers and it turned out that three different females that worked there with me were made so uncomfortable by him that they refused to see him anymore. And instead of speaking to him directly, our company just kept putting him on other female therapists. Bouncing him around. Yeah. So that was also in my mind when I decided to work for myself because one, obviously it feels a little bit more dangerous to be the person solely responsible for my safety. And now that I have employees for their safety as well. Um, but I really, it's important to me to create an environment where body workers or, you know, hopefully at one point, maybe hairstylists, nail technicians, people who work in a service industry who are often subjected to inappropriate treatment or management that doesn't take our needs and our safety seriously, I would like to create a work environment where those aren't a factor, where we can go to work and we don't have to worry about basically being punished with a week of no pay and no work because we set boundaries for our own safety. It's really important to me. So that's also part of my, my, my future business plan is to build up my business in a way that we don't have to take shit from these people. We don't have to feel unsafe just because they have $60 to come get a massage. Yeah. And that's been a big deal for me with my employees as well as, is making sure that my, my friends, because they are my friends now, my friends and my coworkers know that that's never an issue (laughs) that that if it, if someone is an issue, they automatically are banned because it's 2024. We, we shouldn't have to put up with this. But when it does happen, it should be handled in a serious and appropriate manner. Yeah, not just put off like that. And I mean, yeah, taking it to the extreme of saying, well, we don't know if we will leave you. Mm-hmm. And then punishing you monetarily and bouncing this guy around. That is totally unprofessional conduct. I'm glad you left that place. Yeah, so am I. And I will say that was almost 10 years ago now. And I, and I have faith that these people, you know, the owners have hopefully changed the way that they handle those things because they are still in business. Well, you, you can only hope, right? Yeah. Right. Now on the flip side of that coin, cause there's always the, um, you see this in the media and I think it makes people think maybe not poorly of massage therapy, but you always see like the happy ending massage and Oh, police, Departments, mm-hmm. bus parlor, doing happy ending massages and things like that. Is that really that big of a problem or is that just something that people might see as news story, but it's not happening on a wide scale? Oh, that's a really good question. And I'm going to have to say, I don't know 
you know, there's, I live in a small enough community that if there was something like that going on, it would be really difficult to hide and get away with it. So as far as my community, I think I can say that I don't, I don't think there's anything going on here. I'm sure that that is something that happens in, you know, larger areas and cities, but I think that it's a tough conversation for a couple reasons. One, because, you know, like you said, people see that people see our profession portrayed that way. And so when we, when we report things, when we report clients being inappropriate or sometimes it's flat out assault, um, we are looked at as well. Did you get caught giving a happy ending and now you're trying to blame them or, well, if he thought it was okay, what did you do to give him an opening? Or did he hear from someone else that you did that for somebody? And I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty with all of the wonderful coworkers and colleagues that I've had in this profession over the last 11 years, not one of them would I would I say that I would suspect of doing offering any sexual services? But that's obviously, you know, obviously it does happen. I think the other side of that conversation that is really difficult to have is that there is a difference between sex work and human trafficking. And I think I this might not be, this is kind of a controversial opinion, I think, mm-hmm. but in my perfect world, I think we could have both. We could have non-sexual body work and set boundaries, and we can have fully consenting people giving me sexual services that are tied to body work as something that's regulated and safe if that is what they want to do with their lives. Yeah, I've always... But it's really difficult because obviously we don't want anyone to do that who doesn't want to. We don't, you know, that's never something that is okay to happen. And so it's a really hard conversation, I think. Yeah, I, I've always stood on the um, uh, opinion of if having sex is legal and selling stuff is legal, why is selling sex illegal if people right. want to pursue that as a profession? And I think if you legalized it, and some states have legalized these sex works in particular, you would almost eliminate the dark aspects of that, such as pimping and things of that nature. Right. But you have a lot of people who push more like religious moral grounding to say, no, illegal. Yeah. And I, I'm not a religious person. And, you know, my personal opinion is that religion should have no bearing when it comes to the laws that we make. I also don't think that um, sex work is moral either way, right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that I personally can put a moral value on, what someone else does with their body. That's not my damn business, yeah. but it is unfortunate that, that it, it kind of coexists and crosses over into an industry where a lot of people just don't want anything to do with that. I, I, the last thing I want is for someone to sexualize the work that I do one, because I'm not interested, but two, because I'm like, Hey, I worked really hard. <laughs> you know, I worked hard to get here. And I, you know, I think that I do a good job and I, I give my best to each and every client and it, it feels offensive to me, you know, when it's brought up, but at the same time, I don't, I don't, you know, look down on anyone if that's truly what they want to do. And I think everyone should have the option 
to do whatever makes them happy, whatever, however they want to make money or live their life. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm of the opinion if it's not directly hurting someone, have at it. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, the culture differences between Utah and Laramie, Wyoming, I'm, I'm kind of curious, and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but are you in the dating scene up there or are you currently in a relationship? Oh, um, well, I have been single for... Oh my gosh, I'm like, what year is it? I don't know. Basically right after COVID. Um, so 2024, so that would be like two years? Yeah. Yeah. No. Three years. It was like 2021. Yeah, 2021. Is it so difficult because... I hear from a lot of my single friends down in like Salt Lake, oh man, there's no one out there and it's, you know, it's just a cesspool and, you know, swipe, (laughs) swipe left, swipe left, you know, in a smaller Uh, town, is that hard to find people to try and make a romantic relationship out of? Or is that something that's not even on your mind? It is hard. It's, it's difficult because there's, you know, we have the university and so you have like some, I'm, I'm 30. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't consider myself old by any means, but I'm not super young. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out of the, the stage where I would date someone in college, but it seems like the two groups that are available in my town are college students or they're very older professors (laughs) and neither of those (laughs) dynamics are people that I, in so far have been able to get along with in that aspect or when I was on dating apps, I'm not anymore, but when I was, there was always like one or two clients that would pop up that oh, I would no. swipe left on because I do not, don't shit where I eat. Yeah, no kidding. And <laughs> um, and then it would be like, you may have missed a potential match. And I go, oh, well, shit. Now I have to come down with a stomach bug on Thursday or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that makes it a little difficult too. just the fact that it's a small town and I've worked on so many people. So even if I don't know you, Mr. Tinder, I probably know your mom and your aunt and I've heard all your family gossip when she came in after Thanksgiving, you know? Oh yeah. I can only imagine, especially with your repeat clientele, you probably get to know them very well. People get very comfortable and sometimes they say some wild things during their massages. Yeah, I can only imagine there's like, it's like doctors and stuff. I mean, people that people are seeing over and over again, mm-hmm. it starts off at that professional level, but eventually it's like um, my uh, uh, dental hygienist. I've known her forever and mm-hmm. we just will... I don't shoot the shit with her. She shoots the shit with me because obviously I can't talk because I got yeah, all these tools in just, my mouth. She's just spilling the tea with your mouth open and I love it. That is the professional relationship I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's funny though. Um, I went in for a dental cleaning uh, like three weeks ago and she wasn't there and I had to use this. They must have hired her, hired her through like one of the like temp agencies, like license. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're not Patty. I can't have you messing oh, around in my yeah. mouth. <laughs> it's so hard. It's hard to, it's hard to let someone new do those things. And I mean, I, I didn't say I wasn't like, you know, so yeah. stonewalled, like, nope, you're not doing it. I, I let her do the job. And I was like, 
but she was so quiet and it was just so awkward. I was like, I'm used to Patty telling me about her children doing whatever. Yeah. And now I got this new person and <laughs> mm, that's funny. But yeah, I've always imagined that like, cause you, the small town vibe always gets the bad rap of, you know, everyone knows everyone's business and everything. So I was curious as how that works in like the romantic states and, and just in general. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it, it has its disadvantages, but I will say it has its advantages as well because I've been seeing the same lady for my monthly pedicure for a few years now. She's wonderful. And I had had a gentleman who was talking to me, as we say, and I was kind of interested. So I went in for my pedicure last, or now this was over the summer, so it's been a while, but Anyway, I went in for my pedicure and she asked me, oh, are you talking to anyone? And I was like, yeah, and I'm telling her about it. And she goes, you have a picture. So I pull up his Facebook and I show her his Facebook and she looks me dead in my eyes and goes, bitch, that's my friend's husband. Oh, no. And it was. Oh, so my God. So she's like, can, you know, the small town can get a bad rap. But when it comes down to it, like my nail tech has my back and now anyone that I've been interested in since then, I show her their Facebook to make sure they're not married and hiding it. <laughs> married with four kids, by the way. Oh my God. That's crazy. I don't know how yeah. people live these, um, like, especially at that level. I mean, yeah, I can see how people can get away with affairs and hide things. But then when you, when right. you're fully married with children in a smaller yes. town, you don't think and that's going to get back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, there's not that many nail salons here. Like, and you have to know, you know, like if your wife is friends with a nail tech, you have to, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't get it. I don't understand how they, they think that with only 30,000 people that nobody's going to know. Yeah. No, no kidding. So that, I mean, that is a, you put it really well that that's actually kind of a good quality of a small community is people have your back in that regard. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just with dating too. You know, I genuinely have come to love my neighbors and, you know, as a single parent, my neighbors have become kind of my support network where, you know, I have two, two women that are older than me that have kind of become my surrogate moms. And I know that if my kids are outside playing and I need to run inside and, and, you know, check on dinner or grab the phone or something that, they're watching my kids and they would never let anything bad happen to them. And, you know, I, I called my neighbor one, one night completely panicked because I thought my son had drank cough syrup when he was really little. He, he hadn't, he was fine, but you know, that woman opened her door at three in the morning and offered to give me her car because I couldn't find my keys, (laughs) you know? And that's just something that, I never experienced when I was in Salt Lake. Granted, I didn't have kids, but for me, especially raising kids and, and also especially coming from growing up where I had a large family, there was a lot of members of my family, but I truly don't feel like I ever got one-on-one time with a caregiver as a kid, you know, so I had family, but wasn't really supported now having a support system in a small community is the only way that I personally would want to raise my kids now. It's, it's the absolute best I, for me and my family. That, that's awesome. I I'm lucky that, um, where I live, I've lived in my same home now 
God, I've owned this home for almost 10 years. I have really good neighbors around me that have also lived in this neighborhood for a long time. But then I talk to friends and ask them about their neighbors and they don't even know their names. Yeah. I'm like, serious? Like, holy cow, that's just a, I think that's more of a big city, big neighborhood type of thing where people just, it yeah. is so large and there's all these people, but we're so impersonal with them. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you still have family that live up there or are you kind of on your own in that regard? Um, I do have family that live in Laramie, but unfortunately we've gone mostly no contact with them. Mm, I'm sorry. I'm in kind of the same position with a lot of my family down here. One of my big fears yeah. has, from leaving Utah, because I'm constantly looking at like my status here and I'm like I have a great career here I'm building a retirement but I also have this wanderlust need to want to live somewhere else and I've always Mm -hmm. wanted to live in a smaller community I'm always looking at like homes out in like Kentucky and North Carolina and things like that because I'm like I can take my equity and almost outright buy a home out in these areas Mm -hmm. yeah and then yeah that would be super tempting Oh, it is. And part of my fear was always like, well, I won't have any family there. But lately I've been kind of mm, off put by some of my family's uh, mm, ways they've treated me. And so it's like, would it really even be that bad? Because I don't even, my family is here, but I don't really have them here. Yes. And that's so hard. Like I, I personally think that that is one of the most difficult and lonely experiences is when you have family and you obviously love them enough that they're keeping you there or they've kept you there to this point. But at the same time, sometimes these family relationships can be so toxic and hurtful that we feel like we have to make a list of pros and cons of, do we want to live here or do we want to start somewhere completely new? And obviously, you know, everybody's journey is different and what's best for me might not be best for anybody else. But I will say that, you can create a family anywhere and especially in a small community, you really have to rely on people. You know, we live in a food desert. We're a hundred miles away from the closest, you know, major city, really not quite a hundred, but there's not a lot here. So, you know, there are times when I 80 is closed, we can't go get things and you do have to rely on your friends and family. And, And, you know, I just, I'm a big believer in, you're going to find your people. And that doesn't even mean that you have to, you know, fully cut ties with the rest of your family, but you know, wherever you go, you're going to find your people. No, I I think you're a hundred percent correct. I've noticed lately because I have this very, um, very limited position when it comes to my mother and father, almost to where I now feel like I'm, I don't have a mom and dad. They're both still Mm -hmm. alive, but they're so absent in my life that I'm like, do I actually have you guys, your support? Do you even care about what I do in my day to day? Like what is going on here? You guys have just isolated yourselves from me so much that um, I find that I reach out to older individuals who I can look to as almost like mentors to help me through hard life decisions and, and be there as a listening yeah. ear. Cause I don't have that with my parents. So I think I'm you're so right sorry. when you say 
people will find people they can consider family, even if they're not quote unquote blood family members. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what does your future look like with you've been doing this business on your own for six years now and you're finally in a position where you're hiring your own uh, co-workers and things of this nature? Is the future plan to just continue to build that up? Um, yeah, so my future plan is to continue to build that up and also hoping to add some cool things on too. Um Right now, I'm in a really cool space. The office that we're in has other offices as well, and the majority of the people who rent those out are women, and one of the businesses there is an organization that helps single moms get job training so that they can find higher-paying jobs to support their families, and so we have just been felt like we've been feeling the love so much since we've moved into this newer space. Um there's been such a big feeling of support. Like all of us have kids. We can bring our kids in and people in the office kind of, we'll keep an eye out for them. You know, we've got a play therapist that has toys in the conference room. It's such a cool experience that I've kind of decided to take the business in a direction and kind of pair it with a charity as well. So right now, 10% of our earnings go to different charities and nonprofits in our community. And so we're hoping to expand on that. And as we gain more massage therapists and other, you know, service providers, we're hoping to be able to um, continue to donate to those organizations as well as um, start adding on some trauma therapy. Um, So we're hoping to start working with some local uh, psychologists in the area that can refer trauma survivors to us because there are studies that have shown that receiving body work in a certain amount of time after physical trauma or sexual trauma can have a great impact on healing mentally and physically. Um, So there's a lot of, there's kind of a lot of things that I'm hoping to, to build on and incorporate. That's really cool. But I think, yeah, I think, you know, I think a business is like a person in the sense that you never really know who they're going to grow into. You know, we feed these things that we're passionate about and we find ways to, you know, give back in a way that we're, we're, um, we're passionate about, you know, just these causes that we care about. And I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it grows and what direction it takes. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm really excited for the future. Well, that's really cool. And it sounds like you're uh, thinking outside of the box. And I kind of get this feeling that you've not only looked at this uh, company that you've created as not just for yourself, but for your community and your fellow employees that you're hiring on. That's highly respectable. Well, thank you. Are you planning on staying in Laramie for the foreseeable future of your life or do you ever think about branching out and moving somewhere else and trying that? Oh, or have you not thought that far ahead? Perpetual question that I think about all the time. The winters here can be so rough. So I feel like every winter, especially this time where we're almost out of it, that it is still a little bit brutal. I think to myself, why do I live here? Why am I here? My face hurts when I go outside. Um, I do get a little bit of seasonal depression. So, you know, I have thought about maybe 
packing up and building something somewhere warmer or maybe just less windy. But I don't think that that's a change that I'll be making anytime in the in the near future, at least. I just genuinely love it here, the community, but also the summers here are just beautiful. I, I really... I really, really love the summers here. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I've been up there in the summertime, and it's nice because I'm not dying from 105-degree heat. Uh Um, But on that flip side of the coin, I don't know that I could ever, like, I love South Dakota. I love Upper Wyoming. I haven't been to Montana before, but I see that, like, pictures from that state, and I'm like, oh, the photography potential up there but then I always think mm-hmm. oh no Marcus you are a very 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 um, seasonally affected person and when winters hit they hit me hard and I I can't even imagine what a Wyoming winter is because your whole town can shut down up there correct yeah yeah uh, but it's but it's also interesting because um, don't quote me on this because I don't know how accurate it is this is just something that I've heard a couple old cowboys tell me since I've been here, but I've been told that we get as much sunshine in Laramie. We have as much sunny days as uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Really? So we are very lucky in that sense because it'll be negative 30 degrees and 20 mile an hour winds and you can still get a sunburn because it's bright and sunny. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I do okay here. You know, by the end of the winter, like I said, I'm ready for it to be done mm-hmm. <laughs> ready to you know thaw out a little bit but since we have so much sunshine it, it makes it more bearable yeah and that that's something that we might be a little bit warmer down here in utah but our winters also bring about that inversion and i will go weeks mm-hmm. and weeks without seeing sun not even because cloud cover but that inversion settles in and it uh, just is a yeah, great blanket of so yuck gross. Yeah. yeah, it is very, it can be very detrimental to my mental health at times. I've been, mm. I've been doing better because I tell myself when those weeks are around, it's like, get out of here and go venture somewhere where it is sunny. Get that sun yes. and, and get that, uh, get out of that hamster wheel of just being in Salt Lake County. Right. Well, hey, Lauren, I want to thank you very much for coming on and giving some insight into your personal life into your uh, career and career path and the business that you've um, began and begun to develop up there. Is there any way that uh, maybe local residents or people can see your business? Do you have social media presence, things of that nature? Um, You know, I'm really bad at social media. I am on social media, but I don't post a whole lot. Um, My website is the place that I am the most. It's healingfoundationsmassage.com. Um, and if I could also plug the organization that we donate to, it's called Safe Project, S-A-F-E. They're an organization that helps um, domestic abuse survivors um, get out of their situations, as well as helping them with protection orders, daycare, and then um, also getting them in touch with the organization in my office as well that helps them find training for jobs too. So if anyone wants to check out our website... We are there and we have a little plug um, to Safe Project as well. So Safe Project and Healing Foundations Massage, go check those both out. And again, I want to thank you very much. And as I end this, I'm going to end it the same way I always do. Be happy, humble, and humorous out there and be kind to each other. We will catch you guys on the next one. And big thanks to you, Lauren. 
Have a great day.